you're exactly where you need to be. And you're listening to ADD Comedy with Dave Rosowski. Writer and actor Julie Larson is our guest. I've known Julie from the days of the Second City Alumni Jam on the pier in Santa Monica. Oh, those were heady days. Such a blast. Julie's written on Mom, Are You There, Chelsea? The Drew Carey Show, Dharma and Greg, and Last Man Standing. Julie's smart, sharp, honest, and not afraid to speak her mind. You're going to see that right away. In other words, she's a great guest to chat with. Give it a listen. I'll catch you on the other side. Like, I, I wanted to talk about this. Uh-huh. Like, I... Okay, so we'll talk about it. I did Whose Line... Well, it was, a, you know, Improv All-Stars with Drew Carey and all those guys. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. For seven, 16 years? God, was it 16, 16 years? 16 years, all over the place. Uh-huh. I got dropped by Drew, nicely. So we're recording this. That's okay. Okay, good. Yeah. I got dropped literally the same month I had my last period. That's hilarious. And, I mean, he didn't know that, but, you know, you can kind of smell, it's like, it's part of life, you know? And right. I had all these women comics coming at me like, this is bullshit, and da 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 But you know what? I made like 10 grand a night. Oh, fuck yeah, right? And it's like, they want an eggy girl. I get, that's what I was. Uh-huh. And not, I was good. I'm no, a good no, of improviser. Course. Yes, of yes, course yes, I was good. Yeah. But one of the things I brought to the party, and I'm not even that cute, like, but I'm pretty cute for as funny as I am. And flirty as well. And flirty. Like, I was a really flirty. Now I'm yeah. very nurturing. But, yeah. Because it replaces flirty, sort of, if you're, you know, if you're not, like, going well, you, down to you the got marina. you got kids, too, right? I got one. You have one kid. I got kid. a 25-year-old. Yeah. Right. So I'm 54. But it was, like, a lot of mad, angry women. And I was just like, ah. I really is, got a lot out, and I didn't put any people in seats. I'm not putting myself down. I did a great job. Like, anybody could go do that, see how that is at Caesars Palace or, right. you know, anywhere around the all over the world, but USO you, tours. I lo- but I, I love the idea of, you know what? They owe you nothing. Nothing. They owe me nothing. Nothing. Second City because owes me nothing. Because that's also the only way that I can make a future for myself that isn't chasing my past glory. I had that, and it was glorious. Got it. But in order to make it, and it doesn't have to be that, I mean, you what know. What do you mean it doesn't have to be that? What's that? It doesn't have to be, you know, on stage at Caesar's Palace. Right. But to make a glory, a future that I feel like, yeah, that's my life. Fuck yeah, right? Yeah. So your, so your, your challenge with, with, with the podcast that we, we did on sexual, oh, my girlfriend's, oh, gee, that's you. Laura, Laura, this is Julie. Hi. Hi. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Are you are you recording? Yeah, we're recording. Hello. Listen. How are you? <laughs> I'm usually not present for the podcast. <laughs> oh, the whole party. And that's Charlie too. That's Charlie okay. too. Um, so, uh, so your challenge with with the discussion that we had. Well, no, I didn't listen to the whole thing. You didn't listen to the whole thing. But I did listen to some of went? it. Okay, go. No, it wasn't go. because it's because I had. The floor guy came. See, because that, that's what starts to happen in your life, is yeah. the floor guy comes. Life's what happens when you're busy yeah. doing those other things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, getting back to it. So, what was it that where you went, you know what, sometimes we're flirty and... Um, my whole my whole thing is, is this. Guys don't know when to stop. That's my thing. My thing is the students that... The students that... The women that I've talked to, the, their challenge is... No one's stopping these guys who are taking their heads between the women's breasts and going, blah, 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 or being like when they're done with class, a teacher, a teacher going and hitting on a student and hitting on a student and hitting on a student till the student goes, you know what? This is harassment. I said no, and no means no. It's crossing the line, and yeah. it really has, a, yeah. it has it has it has less to do. Teachers with have anybody. a lot of power too. Oh, for fuck's but, sake! But women also like. We, I think going forward, we have to look at, like, I'm not saying that there's no balance in this. And I'm probably going to make somebody angry, but who, you know, that's what happens, you know. I've had like 40 cups of coffee and I'm just I'm with ready you. to talk. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm um, with you. But we have to know that what we're Who's getting. Who's we? Our culture. Uh-huh. Like, I've been reading a lot about microaggressions. What's that? Uh, at colleges where somebody, you know, like, dresses in a sombrero for uh, Halloween or uh, sexual harassment or like what you have to say to 
to give permission for sex, like every step, like right. I kissed you, yes. yes, I felt your breast, right. yes. Like right. everything has to have a permission, Right. okay? Yeah. That means that I was raped like 17 times because I never was, it's like, yes wasn't part of the dial. I'm, I wasn't raped I at all. Like I, I don't see myself as being raped. And sometimes, you know, things that were not my proudest moment would be called rape now. I mean, I was there. Right. And right. feeling not my proudest moment and not dying over it. I'm not saying there aren't people who've been raped and that, like, I'm not, please don't, you know. Although I would have the argument be, because I feel like we need to know what we're giving up, which is. Who's we? Women. Okay. Which is, it's kind of infantilizing to set up a rule book of dialogue for our sex and to set up a rule book of in interaction between artists or, you know, even like, here's, here's the truth, the dirty truth of me. I really believe that the, the biology of it is the reason we go to work, the reason we do everything, the reason we get dressed, the reason we make money is so we can have sex and so we can eat. That's what we're doing on right. the planet as a right. species. Right. We're getting dressed. We're going to work. We're getting a good job. We're doing something that's meaningful because we like sleeping with the meaningful people. Right. I don't mean that in a low way. I mean it in a high way. It's like that's what we're attract attraction is. When you everything. say low way, are you saying uh, so there's the concept of low vibration and high vibration? No, I, I'm talking very I... much like lowbrow and highbrow. Got it. I don't mean mm -hmm. lowbrow. It's very high. No, it's I, I very meaningful that you might be more attracted to a reader than a stripper. Mm -hmm. Like there's different kinds of people that are attracted to different kinds of things, mm -hmm. you know, but biologically we're, we have sex and we flirt and we move toward that. And so you, and I think this pendulum had to swing because I mean, in the fifties and sixties, women were victimized and there was no way around it. it, it but I think it's legislated too far. I also feel looking at knowing the way that having watched you improvise and having watched you like you're fucking aggressive and you're vocal and you're smart and you're strong and you fucking won't back the fuck down. And you know, and even back when we were doing the uh, the Second City Alumni Jam on the pier in Santa Monica, you know, you, you were you were you you didn't let anybody get away with fucking anything. So no, but I got to do that because everybody else was getting doing what they wanted to do. And what does that mean? That means, in other words, if once you start legislating it, it starts to become somebody else coming in and then it's not you know it's like something else being <coughs> like the government or a governor or you know what i mean like like somebody well, yeah or even rules at a place the guidebook the guidebook you know it's, it's <coughs> we're getting into a like and people talk about it all the time is just political correctness mm -hmm. but um i think it's like it's great to have aggressive disagree you know i when i was young i was working at a law firm and this guy came up to, and I wasn't slutty either. I'm just going to put that out there, there at the law firm. Um, <laughs> but this guy, this lawyer came up to me and said, because uh, I, I was a floater, so I would work at this desk and that and da, 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 da. As um, admin? You're an administrator? No, it's like, oh, they need a secretary. This one's out. Got it. So I moved around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he said, uh, so he said, I, I thought you were working at such and such desk. And I said, well, I kind of, you know, get around. You know, I kind of go around. He said, yeah, that's kind of what I heard, like really like flirty. And I said, well, then you weren't talking to somebody your size, Jack. Right? So the girl next to me was like, aren't you scared? I'm like, no. He, describe that conversation and say how I should be scared. Scared that of the ramifications? Yeah. Right. Like, what is he right. going to do? Right. I think my challenge with what's going on, one of my challenges with what's going on is this. It's the anonymousness of it all. It's the fact that people are posting things online and saying, this happened to me with that specific human being. And so so this person is posting as anonymous girl, anonymous woman four. This happened, Joe Blow did that to me and she's anonymous. And I feel like, why don't I get yeah, it's why don't scary. I why don't I get the the right to face my accuser? 
even even if I, I my facing my accuser means this. I'm sorry, I didn't even do that. That's really not my intention. Or or it's like that never happened. Or that happened, but you know, still to be able to face my accuser. Yeah. I can't even read those. It makes me so mad. Because it's like you know, egalitarianism is like is how we I don't think I used the right word. Um Facing things in the moment is the, is the safest and fairest way to live in this world, even if you make a mistake. And it really, and, and, and for me, I feel like that statement right there is so about improvisation. And it's one of those things that, that that's the, 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 Venn, the Zen diagram, the Venn diagram of uh, the honesty that you have on stage and the honesty that you have in your life. That little spot right there is yeah. called human. The intersection right there is called free person, where you're able to say, you know what you just did to me? That's fucking egregious. Or you know what just did to me? That was really great. Or you know what just did to me? Whatever that was, to be able to speak that truth in that moment. Because if you're going to get in your car on the way home and go, I really wish I did that. Like, what's the fucking point of the regret if you're not the next opportunity you have? If the next yeah. opportunity you have, you don't go, you know what? Historically, mm -hmm. I would say I would shut my mouth. But right now, this needs to be addressed because this just fucking happened now. Yeah. Yes, I totally agree. And like, I, I get the note, well, you're aggressive. You had four brothers. You're aggressive. And some women aren't aggressive. It's like, well, be passive aggressive then. Do whatever you do. This is how I handle it. If you want to handle it another way, you know, do but the silent treatment. But, but don't ask it. somebody else to handle it. And now, oh, okay, great. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Because it's infantilizing right. to right. our gender. Our being the, fe the female, the female gender. gender. Yes, absolutely. You know. And I think that they're, they're, what's happening, I really also think that this is all about everybody getting stronger in a very different way, but not stronger so that we can take advantage of each other, but stronger in a way of saying, if you have an opinion about something, please say it. And if you're going to be fearful of the ramifications of what's going to happen to that, then you're not living in the moment. You're living in the future and fearing the future as opposed to living in the moment and being in the moment. And the moment says this. What are you feeling right now? What the fuck are you feeling right now? And we live in a society, America, right here, where you get to say what the fuck you're feeling right now. And if you're not going to do it now, then when? Yeah, that's that's very beautiful. Too bad you didn't tape that. No, I know you did. <laughs> you know how you say that in a conversation yeah, at the like, bar? Yeah, it should have been taped. It should have been taped. Um, and that's when, but I, 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 that that's also right there is something that I I was in Hebrew school, uh, but after school Hebrew school, and it was a really cool one because it wasn't about. Wait, are you a Jew? There we are. I yeah. gotta go. You gotta go. Oh, well, you know, I have a dejuer <laughs> app that I do. So, so in so one of the things that we learned was there's this book called um, I forget what it's called, uh, Pirkei Avot in Hebrew, and it means like sayings of our fathers or something like that. And in it are things like where there is no man, be a man, and what really means is where there is no human, be a human. And if not now, when? If not, if you're not going to say that now, then when are you going to say it? Then when are you going to say it? That's the, the inflection that I want to say. Um, and when I'm talking to students or actors and I'm saying, okay, in that scene that you just did, why the fuck didn't you say your truth? Well, I was afraid that he was going to, like, fuck, you're afraid. We live in a time right now where we're, we're, we're in this sacred, sacred space where you get to say whatever the fuck you want to say, as long as it's connected to what you just heard. And it's your truth in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people don't feel that they have the right to say it. Like, fucking say it. That's great. At the same time, if you're going to ever compete, like, com competition is great. The great equalizer, right? Because how many people want to hear what you have to say is a big question, too. Like, how do you... It's got, it's, I mean, in, eventually, in terms of our, our crafts, you know. In class, yes, that's totally true. But as we develop... I think it's really important pe for people to think clearly about what it is they want to say. Is it what it is that they want to say or what is it they have to say? Well, if you do what, are you, what is it you have to say, you won't get anywhere. Well, for me, I feel like... But this if you is what think what is it you want to say... Got it. It might be... What's the difference? Interesting. Well, what you want to say is, do I really think that? Like, to really be in touch with who you are and what you think. Okay. To read widely, to, like, be able to, you know... Or or listen to pop culture widely, whatever it is that you're that you're interested in, mm -hmm. you to want. like to like really know where you stand. Right, is great because uh -huh. then you can take a stand and you can, you know, fun lovingly 
enjoy it with other people. And sometimes it gets intense, you know, but that's great. I know. know? Yeah. Here's Here's an interesting thought. You know, 40 years ago, if, you know, maybe more, you know, but let's just say 40 years ago, if a woman got insulted, her boyfriend or her husband would punch the guy in the nose. Well, we've decided I don't need a man to take care of me. Well, now it's like, let's get the government to do it. Let's get like rules at our college to do it. It's like, take care of yourself. If you really want to take care of yourself, take care of yourself. Why have somebody don't speak turn, you? Don't turn like our whole society into the guy that comes and tells the other guy that he can't do what he's doing. Right. Does that? No, that's certainly. At that, least that, it's a thought. Well, I'm no, not saying me, it's even true. I'm well, just but, saying. But here's another thing about that is like, do I want you to explain to someone how I'm feeling? Do you understand what I mean? Like, like that guidebook that the college has to have. That's the college speaking for you. How about you speaking for you? Yeah. There was a woman, there was a professor at, I think it was Yale. There was an article in uh, the Atlantic Monthly. And this is a woman who had been there for 25 years, a professor that, that was part, you know, a, a student union leader, right? And before Halloween, she was told that she, need, you know, by students, she needed to make sure that nobody wore like a, a Fu Manchu, nobody wore a sombrero, nobody wore a this or that, you know, which I consider the same issue. And she wrote this beautiful, thoughtful letter back saying, college is where you do stuff and college is where you confront people with your beliefs and you need to talk about this together, you and your peers. Like, that's not my place to go in and do that. But it was like three, pa- three pages, very elegant about like what this time in life means. She was, she had to, she was fired. She had to leave after like two months. I mean, they tried to defend her for a while. But it's like, no, you have got to make sure nobody does this. No, no Hawaiian shirts, no grass skirts, no um, nothing that says anything about a culture. Mm. You know, no geisha girls, nothing. And like, all she said was like, do your own stuff together. Like, figure it out. She didn't even say, I would have said that's like ridiculous. Like, it's Halloween. Like, I love the idea also of somebody going into a situation like that and letting this somebody going into a situation like that and letting the situation be the arbiter of what's right and what's wrong like if if you come in wearing a sombrero and a mustache and someone's insulted by that that person in that moment gets to deal with that in that moment does that make sense yeah not again to say (laughs) to let people like if somebody comes if somebody says something egregious to me I am going to respond in again in that moment. I am not going to call my mom. I, and it's your infantilization, whatever that word is there, that says someone is here going to take care of you. What I want to do when I go to college is I want to experience the things that are, I'm going to learn. I'm going to, I want to experience, I am going to get my life education by, no, by knowing A, what to do, and B, what not to do based upon what I have done and the ramifications of what I have done. Does that make sense? Exactly. Now, I did some bullshit in college. Some fucking awful, fucking awful things. This is what I think. The least of which was at the middle of the night climbing up a flagpole of the Christian Center and stealing the American flag. It was nothing. I did it. I look back on that and I go, I will never do that again. That was just a fucking stupid thing to do. I couldn't climb a flagpole now if I, you got down on your knees and I, pegged me. That's exactly, that's one of them. Like, <laughs> hey, I was able to do that. The good thing is I could climb a flagpole. The bad thing is I don't have to. Yeah. You know, and, and to hold on to that flag and go, this is the evidence of my being a douchebag of holding on to that flag. You know what I mean? And so... I get to experience the things that I look back and go, I will never do that again. But if I, if somebody's saying, don't ever do that, I'm going, oh, okay, I won't do that. And not knowing what the lesson there is. Does that make sense? Yeah, just that there that there's a uh, arbiter of what you say and what you do. And you get to be your own arbiter of what you say and what you do based yeah. upon your activities prior to that. Yeah, and you're just free from your parents, so of course you make mistakes and oh my God. do stupid stuff. But they all do stupid stuff and, you know... You know, anyway. Well, that's a, like that. I just went off into that subject because I was we do that. thinking that's about what we do. it. That's and... what we do. No, I, I think I've been thinking about it too. And I've been thinking about it in, because I have a drop in class uh, every Wednesday here in Holly, every Wednesday that I'm in town. But I have a drop in class, and the majority of students, my students are women. 
Um, it's very interesting. The majority of my students are women. I'm looking going, I never have, there are men that come to that class, but I never have a situation where anybody is doing those egregious things on stage because you walk into my space and you know what this is like. This isn't time for you to fucking pick anybody up. This needs to be a sacred space where you can do whatever it is that you, you can do whatever it is that the scene is requiring you to do, but know that there's a level of professionalism and there's also, I, I don't, those issues don't come up because yeah. I stop them. Where are the teachers stopping these things? Or where are the teachers saying, you cross the line, or where are the teachers saying, yeah, you can do, of de defining what the concept of improvisation means. Improvisation doesn't mean you know, higgly-piggly all over the, whatever the fuck you want to do. It's like within this corral that we're all in, there's a set of guidelines for that specific scene. Make sense? Yeah. And for you to come in and to, you know, to, to come in with a non sequitur saying, I get to grope somebody. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have to have a discussion about it. And each situation, just like every scene, each situation demands a different response. But the teacher is the fucking person that's there that has to go, yeah. stop. Or keep going. Or when somebody says, I was insulted, to say, to have a discussion about what ego means and to leave your ego at the door when you walk into the space and to know that you're a professional and you're an actor and you're playing a part and what's the difference between a character and an actor and what's the difference between an actor and who you are when you walk outside the space. Mm. That's interesting. That's, uh, yeah, I, in part of me agree, like, I'm like, yeah, I guess, the yeah, director, whatever. But not handled or not handled, Those I, both think, are the same. I think handled the person has to handle it eventually. Well, eventually, yes. I mean, you live in the world. So right. you live in the world and people say things and do things that you don't like. Like, a teacher that gropes you, to me, it's like, vote with your fork, man. Get out of there. Like, and maybe say something, but say something. But Don't, say something. You know. But say something. And, and also. And the sooner, the closer too. It's like, you the, know. The freshness date on that thing. Because what just happened in, what just happened online was something happened to somebody in 2007 and it's just coming out now. It's all, it's all over the place, that stuff. The statute of limitations is for a reason. <laughs> it really is. It's to protect people from that. You know, I mean, even the world changes. You well, know, and it's memories, like we, and we can't go too. and, you know, sue, you know, John Adams' uh, descendants for, you know, his behavior toward African Americans. It's like, I you also know. I also think that, that when you do, when for me, when I do something egregious, when I'm 25 years old, for me to be respons held responsible for something, you know, aside from murder um, and child molestation, for me to be accused of that, you know, 31 years later... I'm going, I, that person, I'm as different from that person as I am from John Adams. Yeah. You don't need know me from Adams. I don't know. Yeah. If you got called out on your not my proudest moments, that would actually be a really funny, <laughs> not my proudest moments. <laughs> not my proudest moments. Like if you moments. had to go to court for your not my proudest moments, oh it my would God. suck. Or to go and watch them again. Yeah. But the, see, the thing is, I think it's healthier to run through your not my proudest moments than to not the moments where I was most victimized. Right, right. It just feels like, get, move. You got to move on. And I know people feel like, wow, I can't move on. But, I can't move on? Yeah, like, I just realized this thing that, you know, has been haunting me the whole time, you know. It's like, those are your moments of truth where you have to, like, figure out how do you move forward right. you know you're the one who, and well, a lot and of it is scary but what's the answer to that i i have my own answer how to move forward and the answer is this let it the fuck go and move forward let it the fuck go because you can't change it i think try something like bold like something new like, whatever it's going to be know. it has to be new but it, and, and for me i feel like i agree it has to be new but i also i agree and it has to be new and and but I don't want to say but, but you can't bring in the past into what it is that you're doing. No. Because if you bring the past into what it is that you're doing, you're not pay, you're you're not fully engaged in, the, in 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 refreshing that moment that you have to say I'm going to make a choice that's not predicated on anything that I've done in the past. Here's a here, can I give you a, a oh, sure. an example a a, a uh, in which I'm vulnerable, um, because I think these are the you know and I'm I'm proud of myself and not really that proud of myself for this but like okay so you know I were 18 years straight 
as a television writer, I, I was on Drew Carey for three years, Dharma and Greg. I did like, I created Are You There, Chelsea on NBC, not my pro one, not my proudest moment. Um, and I, um, I've sold 10 pilots. I'm telling you all these things to say that it went like this, right? And then you get in your early 50s and it starts to change for women and it does for everyone. And you, you know, you kind of do the like, um, yeah, I'm meeting with so-and-so, I'm really busy, you know, <laughs> it's like, okay. But I'll tell you, like I had a crash moment so Dharma and Greg, that was with Chuck Lorre, yes. right? Yes. So I went on the beginning of Mom, mm -hmm. which is on CBS yes. now, right? Yes. And um, so originally we kind of met about maybe doing it together. Like you I, and Chuck I was a single mom, right? Right. And mm -hmm. we had known each other all the way through. So I was a single mom. So anyway, that didn't work out. That's fine. So um, I go on as a like senior writer, like a writer producer. On and, mom. On mom. And at first it's going great. And then it just kind of takes a turn. And I don't really know what's happening. And I'm also like, like when I went into Dharma and Greg, it was like, I know my attention span was larger and my salary was like smaller, a lot smaller. So it was like. That was really an amazing time right there. Oh for my you. God. For me. For I was, you. It was I, shocking. My, my electricity was off six months before I got Dharma and Greg. That's and, a whole nother story. But that was also around the time that we went to Ireland. Yeah, I got it. In Ireland, I met Dottie, Dottie Dartland, who's Dottie yeah. Zicklin now, yes. who I had dinner with her the other night for her right. birthday. So she's and lovely. Came, didn't that kind of come out of nowhere? Yeah, out of nowhere. That, for me, when I heard about it, I was like, wow. And I never looked back. I mean, I never didn't work from that day forward. Right. But so anyway, here I am on mom, and I can feel him getting more and more unhappy. And instead of like being able to pitch more, I'm just kind of closing down, right? right. I'm, I'm like... And he's tough, you know, he's tough. He's a lion, um, both in good ways and bad ways. So I call him, I'm like, is there, can I, can we talk? I go up to his office, right? And my dad is dying. I'll tell you that to start the story. So my dad is dying and I'm not doing well at work. My dad's in Illinois and Chuck just goes crazy. He's like, you are the worst combination of ego and fear I have ever met in my entire career, just like this horrible, like, I'm like, well, that's not the easiest thing in the world to hear. But I was able to say, you know, when I got Dharma, I had my electricity off six months before that. And you gave me that and I've worked ever since. And you could never blame me for not, for taking that dough, even if I am a fraud. But I said, I really appreciate that I got that from you. And it, it, it was like I hit him in the face with a frying pan. He just like looked at me, you know? And what was that look? It was just like, it was just a realization that I appreciated him, I think. I mean, it wasn't any big so deal. Here, so this is what I'm taking away from what you're saying. You spoke, you, you spoke gratitude to anger. Well, yeah, but... The, the little bit after, this is like what happened. So there there was some, you know, come on. Uh, I had feelings about that. But on my way out, I thought, I'm going to go to Illinois and help my dad die. So I go to, I think it's going to be like a month, right? It's nine months with my dad who has cancer. And my mom, my mom's like five feet tall. My dad's six foot seven. He's completely incapacitated. It was a great, you know, every, I'm not going to go into the story. It's exactly like everybody's story who goes and helps their dad die. So, cause we're relatively the same as humans. But, and then when I was home, I like, I just was like, I'm going to just read the great books. Cause I couldn't leave at all. So I'm in, in Illinois in a house, you know, no internet. I mean, I had it on, you know, my, my hotspot, whatever, but, right. you know, right. so, um, but you read the great books. I read the great books and I and I helped my dad and like at the by the end I was like, you don't have to go to heaven, but you can't stay here. Oh, I've got <laughs> it was just like you gotta go. Like it's time. Like You can't um, wait, 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 wait. Is that what you just said? You, I did. I you, said that to him a week before that. But, but you, you can't, can't stay, stay here. here. It's like I'm trying. I can't what am I gonna do? <laughs> you know, oh and he had like there were amazing moments. One was, you know, he has a very principled liberal in the middle of a very I mean like wait, socialist. Wait, wait, what 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 area? West of Chicago, about What's an it? hour. What's Geneva. It? Geneva, I know Geneva. So between Elgin yeah. and Aurora on the yeah, mighty yeah, Fox yeah, River. Yeah. So um, I went to school in DeKalb. 
Oh, is, you northern. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I went to northern. So yeah. that's right down the street from Geneva. Oh yeah. So and on the way to Chicago. Yeah. Geneva. Mm -hmm. So um, one thing. So he, you know, like he and. That's where I stole the the flag. From. Oh, at yeah. DeKalb at the Christian yeah, Center. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but he started talking about principles. And he was like, I was a very principled man, which he was. And he said, but principles are like hats. Like, you know, if you were born 500 years earlier or 500 miles from where you live, you would have different principles. It's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like, I'm from liberal Swedes and I'm a liberal Swede. And, uh, you know, like, you know, we were with the union grape growers. I mean, like we, they were very, very involved in the civil rights movement as much as they could working and everything. Um, he said, so you just have different principles. He said, I have beautiful principles, but they were like hats. Like they would be different if it was a different time period or a different culture. Right. He said, I only have one regret. I never slept with a black girl. He said, your uncle Lefty did very well with the black girls. And then he fell asleep and I thought, please die right now so that's the last thing <laughs> you ever said to me but he didn't but i mean that was just like one of, do you remember the last thing he said to you um oh he was freaking out like but he, he got very calm at the end um but no i, I don't have a like a last word because he was he was having trouble thinking got like it. the last two days but i mean up until the last two days he was gorgeous and he it's, was sweetheart right but but getting away from the that story i just wanted to tell what, oh and he I, I wanted his ashes scattered on beyonce that was his other isn't that cute yeah that would so, be he, he, so he, he, he went he, with the black yeah, theme was, he, all the way into the wait, he furnace. said he wanted he said he wanted to to his ashes scattered on beyonce Is yeah he, he did said? yeah isn't that sweet? Oh my God! I've never heard of anybody wanting their ashes scattered on a human. <laughs> like, yeah, and a lot of men hear that and they're like, "Yeah, that's a good idea. I would love that." So anyway, the the way I chose to see because we make the poetry of our own life, the Chuck Lorre thing, where believe me, I had my friends and I also bitched about it to my girlfriends and friend and guy friends, whatever. But the way I see it is, Chuck Lorre in my life was put on this planet to help me. So he gave me Dharma and Greg. He taught me story. We did all the writing in the room. And he's a genius. And he's, you know, I mean, he's it's harsh. Shit he's done. But, oh, no. Yeah. You, believe me. Right. I'm not romanticizing it. But I no, do. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. Because it's my life. Right. So he sent me back to my father. Like, I wasn't, it's not like I was kind and wanted to go see my father and read the great books. I wanted to make the dough on mom. And it wasn't like I was making either or. Nobody was asking me to come home. Right. I just was like, you don't want to go in a home. I'll come. I, I, no, I'm not doing it. I got fired. I'm just like a failure. Right. I'll come to your house. And then when I was in the middle of it, I had this like tearful moment where I was like, wow, Chuck Lorre just propels. He's my mentor in a way. He propels me forward. I don't need to pull it apart. Like, let's make it beautiful. We're going through this life. Like, that's an example of like how I strengthen myself to, so I'm a woman in my mid fifties who's kind of meeting on MTV shows and you know what, and I'm not saying I won't have another, I got stuff in me, believe me, but I feel like I have to face it with like the full on, like you're not what you were. I'm a new person every day. You know, it's like, I'm going to go forward. Like, okay, that's gone. Like, Oh, it's hard to lose that. Hard to lose what? That the the like kind of there's a mid thirties, early forties power just before menopause. There's this power for women, and and it gets stronger because you're so afraid of losing it that you get more aggressive and you get smarter about how to use it. That goes away. Mm -hmm. Okay, it is a kind of power, and it, it's really I mean, nobody wants to hear about this. What do you mean? When they're forty three, right? You know, there's a horrible like I have a friend who's been married three times. He's like. I will marry a 19-year-old or a 55-year-old, but I am never going through menopause again with a woman. Ooh. Like, I am not going through that. Because there is, there's this adjustment where it's like you were able to kind of like move things with your um, prowess that you can't move that way anymore. And hopefully your skills have gotten, you know, or at least your money so that you don't have to have too many skills, you know, by the time you get there. This is a very, I know this is a very... Um, uh, 
unpopular thing to say, but I watch, sometimes I just Why tell friends of mine in, in, in their like late 40s, like, this is the worst time in your life. Like 50s, once you, you get it, you're like, oh, that's great. Because I also don't have to deal with the problems of it either. Right. You know? Right. Not that nobody ever flirts with you again. Right. It's not that. But it's like, it's a very different thing. You're more in control of what you do. It's mm-hmm. not like people try. There's something fun about when people are trying to trick you into being with with them. You know? Trick you into sleeping with them? Yeah. It's like nobody's trying to <laughs> trick a 55-year-old. Like, yeah, you want to, you know. Come up to my room and see I, my etchings. Yeah, I've got, you know. Oh my God, I would, I would, you know, so love to read your tea leaves, you know, whatever. Right. They, you know, they're not doing it, you know. No. In fact, they could because you would not suspect. Right. Like somebody would have to be in the middle of raping me for me to know that they were raping me. And then I would have to call my sister and say, guess what happened? You're not going to believe this. He was 30. Gorgeous. Well, I also, I think that. that no, I don't so, mean to, I don't mean no, to but make that What you're saying, no, for me, I, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm that Can I get some me. more water? Yeah, I'll get I... that right now. Um, what I what I got from that, I mean, just the, the whole Chuck Lorre story about you know, because it goes back to the idea that you're that no one really, no, no situation does not leave you with something for you to to learn from it. Right. And I did that. I was there. I did that. Like, and, and I'm going to go back to call it to the to the thing where you go. If there's somebody always watching, no, no, don't touch that. No, don't, don't, no, no, don't touch that. In college, you're not going to learn what the lessons are from having done that. From having done that being, that was a fucked up situation. And because of that fucked up situation, now I'm more X. I'm more aware of people. I'm more aware of of, of, of the power of my words. Or I'm more aware of what my words, how they land on somebody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, right. So, I, there, there's... That's, that's, a, that's a, exactly. And... At a certain point, we do have to litigate. We cannot let just brutal force no. rule. I'm no. not saying that, like, you know. But what you learn is how to litigate. But how law of the jungle do we want it? I think we need to figure that out because I'd like it more law of the jungle than it is right now. Uh, you'd like it more law of the jungle than it is right now. All right. All right. Yeah. Just like, yeah, if you could make some figure that out. Make um, some there are calls. a lot of people listening to this who are, like, in control of oh, oh. jungle laws. Um uh, 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 but to romanticize your life and like, like you know, what do you mean? Do... What do you mean romantic? Because you've said that you said that before. What does romanticize your life mean? It means looking back with the ex- with the most important point of every story you have being that you were there, uh huh, and you performed. Okay, keep like on. everything happened around you. But if you take somebody else and make them the protagonist. Of any story in your life, which is a great tendency when we feel like we weren't handled properly or that we were even wrong. It's like, why didn't we leave? Why didn't we fight oh, for ourselves? So telling the story from the, the point of view, living your life from the point of view of the victim as opposed to living your life from the point of view of the person that is, you're the star of your movie. Yeah, you're the protagonist even if you were, you're the victim. Exactly. And so because of that, I was able to blah, 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 blah. Right, you know? right, right. And, and so the takeaway... From the Chuck Lorre thing, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it's really, it's 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 really amazing because I've been fired from jobs and, and and I'm doing this because I was essentially fired from a job. I was fired from the artistic director of Second City. You know, I don't know if I've ever put it quite that way, but I really felt that I was fired from that job and I had that job for ten years. They never say the F word, do they? No, they never say it. They're saying <laughs> we're doing this and we're going to make your life really uncomfortable, so you eventually have to fire yourself. You're in charge of firing you. You are going to fire you. Um, and uh, I love them. I love them, and because they they let me go, or I let myself go, or I read I read I read the, the signs on the wall. I was able to go. Okay, and now what do I do? Now I do not have a theater company that I have to run. But what I do instead is I have the Dave Rosowski that I get to run. I get to travel all around the fucking world. I get to talk to as many fucking people as I can and want to because I was not like, oh, my God, I was fired. Oh, my God, I'm no good. Oh, my God, what's my worth? Like, fuck all that. Yeah. They're not the ones that run my fucking movie. No. And that's what I think. The, I think that's almost the whole. I mean, the sexual thing is one thing. That's the ageism thing. What do you mean? Like. When people get on that fight against ageism, it's like... To describe what that means, because I think I know what that means. Well, it, it's, it's very big in television writers. Uh-huh. It's like that there's ageism Got and it. people, you know, people are uh, 
people are not hired because of their age, which is true because comedy, things change. You know, it's true. You can get cheaper, younger people that are really hungry, that are right out of school and they're listening to music now. I'm not saying it's not an issue that somebody could bring up, but it's some people's main issue. And I just think it's your death nail. It's like, look, find a way to stay relevant. It's hard. The older you get, I mean, go to an old folks home, like in the air, what they're talking about. It's like me. I have spent hours and hours dealing with my new linoleum floor. And I'm really, I'm more excited about that linoleum floor than I would be about any sex. There's no sex that could compare to the indigo blue floors that I'm putting in my house. It's nature. Okay. So like, I have to keep myself relevant in the culture in order to be an artist. I must stay relevant in my own way. It's the same with movies. Like I don't, we won't even get into the Oscars thing, but studios are amoral. They will make movies about the, the most disgusting thing in the world. If 10 million people will see it, they will go. It, it's the most egalitarian thing in the world, you know? And so, and the great, like, did you hear there was an interview of um, uh, Ice Cube from England where he talked about the Oscars thing? It's just like nuts. Like, like it's a party I wasn't invited to. You right. know, like I didn't, get, I, you know, I don't know. Like, wh whatever. You know, we, so we his, made this his feeling movie. was His feeling was, I wasn't invited. Oh, the, straight out of Compton, for example. Yeah. That's what you're talking about. Right. He's like, we weren't invited to the party. So the fuck what? Is that what he's yeah, saying? Yeah, he's like, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, are you going to go anyway? He's like, no, but I never go. Like, it's like, right. like that's not my big thing. But, but you know, if I would have won, I would have gone. Like, Hell yes. You right. know, like, I, and I don't think it's all great. And I, but, but I think that making that your, that can be an issue, but it can't be your core issue. No. Because like in comedy, I had to like a lot of times just keep moving to do what I, to get my voice. Mm -hmm. You know, they talk about the voice of the Buddha is like the pure and far reaching voice. People want to hear it. What People's that, heads that, turn. Wait, wait, what does that mean? The pure and far reaching voice? I think I know what that. What, what, it's a voice that goes a lot of places because people want it. It's right. like your art has to, people have to want it for it to be completed. Now, do you, do you find what it is that the people want and then do that? Or do you do, this no. is who it is that I am. And then know that that will eventually. You can make all those choices yourself because like somebody like Van Gogh dies poor, but he made what he wanted to make and he made his point. And he had no other choice. It's beautiful. I, I believe that he had no other choice other than to do what it is. I believe that we have no other choice other than to do what it is that we do. Right. And if it is going to blossom and flourish, it is. it has to come from our heart. Right. It's got to come from that because our brain, we can't, you know, all the studies that can That's be true. done. That's true. Painting, though. But when you're improvising, unless you're paying to improvise, which is fine, too, but like to improvise in any company, even if it's not for pay, people have to enjoy improvising with you and... Oh, absolutely. You. So it's like, but but for me, it's not about what the audience wants at that moment. It's like, what does yeah. my partner want at that moment? Because they're not coming to see what they want. They're coming to see who it is that we are. Exactly. And so, if I am working with you, and I know I love your voice quotation mark, and you love my voice quotation mark, and the two of us are up there, that's going to bring the people to the. That's going to bring the people there. But I don't give a fuck about what. I'm sorry, but I don't care about what the audience wants. That's that's. You know what? That's so beautifully evident in your work and that's how you work some people are a little bit more aware of it and i think they do a, cut some of the round the outside work but you are a, you are completely alpha on stage it's a beautiful beautiful thing mm -hmm. so and i love to improvise with you and um but that's in your nature but i think that there you can feel any sort of way you want to about it but you just have to know what you feel is important i think it's really and not be so mad that somebody else feels a different way oh no everybody gets to yeah. feel the fuck that they want to yeah. feel and it, because who's going to get you're going to get mad at me because you know, I, yeah jane morris i'm sorry she's like great at like making sure everybody's in a scene like i would have no idea Jane Morris is quite she's awesome. amazing. She's, she's like a she's amazing awesome. and she's so fucking good too. I love her so much. You know, but it's a different she has a different skill set just like everybody, you know, like a family dinner. You and know? she's always been like that. I mean, when when I was watching her at Second City ETC when I was coming up through the Second City uh, pipeline and I would go I would watch her and Jeff uh 
Jeff Michalski and I would watch all those fuckers backstage. I would talk all those fuckers in the back theater back there. Um, Dan Castellaneta and all those guys, Steve Sheridan, uh, Steve Asad, all those guys back there. And I was like, they're fucking altruistic. And they are all taking care of each other. And if you like it, you like it. And if you don't like it, that's okay. You'll, uh, we're not here to make you like it. But I would also go as far as, far as saying this. Watching uh, Brad and Colin... Uh, Brad Sheeran and Colin Lockery, when they did the thing with Bush, mm-hmm. you know, when they were at the press thing, right after Colbert did his press thing with Bush, I was watching those two guys kind of do a cleansing, a comedy cleansing. I know, I don't have, I have a feeling that they don't emotionally, they don't emotionally feel what it is that, that the, the administration wanted to do, but they were doing the show because I felt that they had to do the show. Am I making any sense there? Yeah. You know, I, I, I know what you mean. I saw it. I saw it too. Um, I was co- more mystified, but what you're saying kind of informs it for me. I was mystified as well. And I was going, oh my God, oh my God, you're dancing with Carl Rove. What the fuck is happening here? <laughs> What's happening here? You know, mommy, I know it's like uh, my friends are doing this. Thing. It hurts. Why is daddy up there in a dress? And you're going, you know, you're going all those things going, what is happening? Yeah. But I also felt like they are the professionals that know what it is. Yeah. They're the improvisers that know their audience really fucking well. Mangum's the same way that knows their Jonathan Mangum's the same way that, and, 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 and Wayne Brady they know their audience well and they are saying hello we're here for you and I feel I'm a little more gorilla and don't give a fuck but that's their flavor well also when you're doing those shows where, where you know I mean where I've done a lot of like the but you did those shows at, uh, at Caesars at Caesars right Oh, I did them all over the world. But you were tickling, yeah. were you tickling the audience, and they're not there to be yeah, challenging. Yeah, you know anyway. what? You got these people with they paid a hundred bucks each, you know, to get there, and you're making a lot of money, and it's mostly joke driven. Also, you know, in those big houses, you know, especially like the FX theater, like three thousand people, you got to wait so long because the laugh rolls back, and then it rolls all the way back, you know, and so you got to wait. You, it, it's like, it, it's crazy. It's a crazy. It's like being a um, Macy's Day Parade balloon. Right. That's what the show is like. It's so you just kind of lumber through it, you know, and you got your different people that have their different, you know, strengths and weaknesses. Right. And, you know, everybody wants to play, you know, all the time. It was a lot of us. So how many of us of, of you were was us? I think it was mostly eight. So who was it? it was Sean Masterson me? In the begin, well, Jonathan Mangum joined, right. and Jeff Davis, Davis. Uh, Brad Sherwood, Sherwood. Um, uh, Was there another woman? Drew Ryan, Kathy Kinney, Kathy Kinney, and then um, uh, the best ever. Um, was it Wayne? Did Wayne early? Join? But okay. he was gone before Jonathan and Jeff got came. It, so, got it. Um, Colin Mockery and uh, Greg Proops. Greg Proops. So it was ten of us. Right. Yeah, and sometimes it was eight, you know, right. whatever. But it was mostly ten of us. And you did an hour show? Hour and a half. Hour and a half Two show. hour and a half shows. A night. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. One on Thursday, one on Sunday. And what did you do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? We just did, we didn't You do stayed it. in Vegas or you? No, we left. We you came left. in on Got Thursday. It. We'd, we'd get it. one of those rock and roll buses. Right. Uh, a lot of times, um, what's his name? Joe Walsh would come with us and he'd play. Boy, you know the difference between a rock star and a TV star when Joe Walsh comes on stage. Wow, people just go nuts. I love him. Yeah. I have a question. I told my, before you asked me your question, I told my daughter having Joe Walsh join us, this is when she was a really little kid, like, was like, uh, would be like if, when she was older, if like Eminem did it. Right. And she said, I don't think Eminem would wear a t shirt with a chicken on it. <laughs> But Jill Walsh is old school. I'm like, I think Eminem would. You anyway, think Eminem? Yeah. Well, I anyway, looking at, ask, your, ask your no, question. No, because this is a question that I have. And it's one of these things where it's like, did I imagine this or did this happen? When we were in Dublin. No, Kilkenny in Ireland. And we we went to do that radio interview. Right. At the, at the bar at like 6, 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's when we heard about Phil Hartman. Yes. What was your connection? I had had lunch 
with Bryn Hartman four days before it happened. And Pam Thomas. Right. Yeah. I I am At never... the Ivy. Yeah. You said something about shoes or something. Yeah, she put we went and got shoes for me to take on that trip. You were wearing the shoes that she helped you. She just bought them because I didn't have any money. That was when that was before that was she right before Dharma. That's what she said. She bought me these shoes. Yeah. I remember you saying she yeah. bought me these shoes. Well, she was drunk. I could get her to do anything. Right. Um, I have to tell you that too was, soon for that. Joke. No, no, no. It's not too soon at all because I, for me, I, I look at that moment and I, it's one of those moments that that you're e- really able to watch somebody have one of the most. I just just the out like the shock that you went through, the shock that I went through, my own shock because I love Phil Hartman so much. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and the shock that you went through. Having it such a personal fucking thing to happen. Yeah. And I just had to talk to you about it because I'm, you know, so often so many of these the, these events happen in our lives where we're going, did I imagine that happening or did it happen in the way that I remember it? That's exactly, it's so funny that you remember that, but yeah, that is. Oh, I remember it. I remember it. As, I mean, I wasn't like best friends with her or anything, but I was, but I, you know, I saw her and Phil both from time to time. You know, Pam Thomas was a good friend of hers. Christine Zander. Right. Um, Look at all these strong women. Oh yeah, Christine Zander's so great. I just, I I just know. saw her. I know. Like I, I look at and going back to the, our, our, you know, our, uh, what we started talking about. Because all these women have such a women really fucking in a way run the industry. You know what I mean? Like, like Pam Thomas had had. In, in a way that like they're yeah. just so there's such a part she, of the, the she cast Saturday Night Live for ten years right and no one everybody went through her and she went and found people right you know she did do that and the she the majority that. of people that you see on television and in movies there's a woman that's a casting director and it's usually a woman is that fair to say I wouldn't say that anymore you I wouldn't think say it's that more anymore. androgynous uh-huh. you know it's like but I think powerful women fight their own battles. So for women to want to legislate battles that they need to fight themselves, they won't develop the strength to run everything. What do you mean? Well, like I think like what we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. about harassment, right. and that kind of stuff. Got it. Mm-hmm. It's like you got to be so tough in this, you know, and men have to be tough too, you know. But it's like, you know, fight your own punch in the nose. I mean, if it's really bad, if it's something that you can't fight, you know, and also be willing to walk away from stuff where pe- that's that's part of what you bring to the table. What keeps you from walking away? Who? When, when you're when you're like to go, this battle is not worth fighting. What stops you from from going? Well, if you didn't if you up. didn't like the way somebody treated you, right? That's one of your choices, right? It's like if people are there, like the, you know, there's I'm not going to name names, but there's actors that are very aggressive and hard to work with that get a huge audience. And part of working with them is understanding that that's what's, that's what's going to go on. That's like, that's part of who they are, you know? In fact, it's kind of like if they don't flirt with you, it's like, wow, I must be, uh, I better lose some weight, you know? It's like, there's certain people, certain directors like that, you know, that it's just part of their funky, funky nature. And you can rid the world of their films, I suppose, but it's like, it's part of working there. Right. I don't mean having sex with them. No, I understand. But I mean, you can't demand that you're in somebody else's production and demand that they not flirt with you i if, if they can get somebody else that they can flirt i mean it's part of the it, it's part of the whole thing but there also is a there's a line there's a line yeah of course right and to but know- you when you know the line you've got to figure out an action even if you make a mistake you can't just say I think this might be the line and I'm going to employ the rest of the whole culture to figure it out and litigate it, you know? It's your and, personal line. And the same time, I also think, like, this is, this is my pitch that I'm, that I'm using for what I'm trying to work on. I believe that love and tenderness is the new anal. Keep going. Love and tenderness is, like, so hard to ask for now. But like it's date, date, sex. Like my 25 year old's like, I would like to have 
children someday. Like, I don't want to just, like, have sex, like, every six months with somebody new until I find somebody. You know what I mean? Like, ah, like, ah, you know, but it's really hard to ask for, you know? And so, like, I, I like creating characters that are very vulnerable and needy. Like, you know, do you think you could ever love me? It's like, I'm just waiting for the postmaster man, you know, <laughs> Not not really that that far, but you know, like not wanting to date like just towards sex. Well, I think that you do go through that, and then you realize that isn't that that. But the culture now is a lot different. Got like it. It, it's like women could, you know, it's the a Amy Schumer, Chelsea Handler. Hey, I got I gots to have it too, which is okay, but it's it's not romantic. It's not fun to watch. Right. I yeah. don't think. I think it's also fleeting. I think for me, I'll take it, but it's sort of like going to a certain comedy show where you know it's it's joke, 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 joke in an improv show, and you're going, yeah, yeah, is that all there is to a fire? Is that all there is? Yeah. Because you know what, I, I fucking want more. But if I'm going to see a show, I'm going to see the ten of you at Caesar's Palace. That's what I'm going to see, man. Yeah. But if I'm going to go to a theater and you're skimming the top, and I'm going. Come on, baby, give me a little more than that. Because how much of that yeah. can you take? I know. You know before That's you why go. I think there's new hard edge in what is it that people really want? Uh -huh. Like, do they want, you know, I just think people want connection. Right. I don't mean just and in sex, animal. but like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like to be able to, you know, so that's kind of my... I believe that too. And I think that, that go, going back to looking at the Halcyon days, there's a phrase that I don't use, of, the, <laughs> of being on the pier at Santa Monica where we fucking packed the audience. Wasn't that fun? And it was really, really fun because there was... There, because there was that immediate connect, that connection where we're going, I'm connecting with you. I don't even know you, and I'm connecting with you on stage because we have the underlying understanding that all we want is love and whatever that's going to be, you know. And it's not like the joke, and it's not like the tip of the iceberg. And when you, because we're also being human, and when you say something to me that gets to me, I'm gonna fucking attack you. Yeah. And I don't mean in a violent way, but it's like, oh, Julie gave me that. I'm fucking jumping on that. And that's the kind of people that we like to watch. I remember watching, you know, you watch, you, the people that you just named there, Sean and, you know, and, and also Ryan, where Ryan and Dave Pasquese and Ryan Stiles, you look at Ryan and you go, nothing gets past that fucker. No, he's great. He's amazing. And I think one of the reasons he's amazing is fucking nothing gets past him. It's not that he's going for his bag of joke, bag of tricks, and he has that as well, as we all do, but it's also the idea of you know that he's listening to you. You know that he's paying attention. You know that he's connecting to you in that moment and needs you. Yeah. Just as you need him. And again, what is that? We call that in, in scenes. We call that a relationship because it's the same fucking thing that we have outside yeah. of the theater. It's the best thing you learned about how to... Yes, and is what the best thing you learned ever, ever in life. I used to like people that, like Jim Belushi was really aggressive and really like nasty with women. I loved improvising with him. And sometimes I'd lose it and sometimes, but we were, it was like watching a boxing match, you know, and we had a lot of fun and, and he liked improvising with me too. Oh, he's, he's a fucker. But he's a fucker. I mean, he was he's like, oh my God, like. He's a fucker. Totally. And like, but he, it. I liked it because he was himself and you could improvise back and, you know, it was, it was like boxing, you yeah. know? Well, it's, I, I was and just, sometimes I was just... at the end of an improv, he would think I looked like a total idiot and I would think he looked like a complete idiot. And he did. And maybe I did to, like, to his sensibility. Right. I just looked like, uh, you know, like a, the horrible, you know, mannish, brutish, you know, like in his mind, you know? Right. And in my mind, he just looked like an idiot. <laughs> stupid. Right. Oh, no. And we would say that stupid, stupid, coming off stage. And the audience would go wild. Right. And they just they... saw a boxing match. Right, exactly. They saw two yeah. people. So not... I'd bite off his ear. I mean, it was bad, you oh, know? But well, it was funny. But you're not pulling your punches. You know, you're out there going, let's go mat to fucking mat. I love mat. that, yeah. Yeah, and for me, I've been thinking lately, somebody used this word last year, and I think it's a great word. It's the word... Fierce, fierce. 
And I love people who play fiercely. And again, that doesn't mean that they punch me or hit me or anything. But it's like, they're watching me like a lioness watches a gazelle. You know at some point they're going to, like, like they're, they're, they just want to fucking attack you. Like, do something. Fucking do something. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. Just do something. Because I need for you to fucking do something. And the moment that you do it, I'm gonna, you're going to know that you did it because you're going to fucking feel me on you, you know? <laughs> Now, and you don't get to feel that way with many people that you enjoy improvising with, but it's fun when it's like, I totally am not, I don't like your sensibility, you don't like mine, and we're going to have a really good time. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Because a lot, I, he would get, he, you know, he'd call people crybabies, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because well, he, he, he would like, literally, you, people would cry on stage. Well, he hit people. He yeah. was a hitter. Yeah. He hit, he was on main stage and he came to the <laughs> set, and he hit all the men. And he hit Colbert. And he hit Colbert on his deaf ear. And Colbert was like so shocked. And he started crying. Colbert. I yeah. remember that clearly. And I remember Ruthie Rudnick saying, hey, Jim, you hit everybody but Rosaski. And before the ski at the end of my name came out, I felt this slap on the side of my face. And I'm like, what the fuck would you do that? And the interesting thing about that was... Wasn't that early, though, when it was maybe, you know using or something or... I have no idea I don't know I mean I don't know the I don't know the forensics of any of that nor do I know I, I mean I do know that very like he didn't he didn't hit Rabano he didn't hit I like it I'm Irish so I excuse people when they're drunk yeah, I don't anything. think he was drunk. He was not drunk. Yeah, I don't think he was drunk. I mean, for me, I look at him going, because I also no, hung it's out. Horrible, yeah. I hung out with him, yeah. too, afterwards. And it's like, but he would be your, he would be really great until you called him John, you know? Oh, yeah. That's, oh, oh yeah. for fuck's sake. I remember it. And the wrath that he would like to watch somebody turn like that. But why did, did people do that to him? Oh, yeah. Well, they don't do that to them now because they don't know John. No. You know? Yeah. But he goes, John's, John was my brother and he's dead. Do I look like a dead guy to you? Whoa, man. Wow. Huh. At the ball game. Sitting at the ball game. Or at Second City outside. And you know where the minute that the, somebody said John, you're like, oh, dude. Dude, I can't, I can't help you now. <laughs> I, I gotta back away. Something's gonna yeah. happen. He's bad. kind of from a fighting neighborhood, I think. He's a fighting neighborhood, but I think also growing up, you know, again, looking at the forensics of it, I don't know. I don't know. Growing up, I don't know what it's like. Why but not? all I know is this, you know, when you got to him on stage to watch him and, and, uh, and Rob, his son, do a scene at Second City on the 50th anniversary, he watched his beautiful father and son do a scene that was essentially a John Belushi scene. John Belushi and somebody else did a scene, and now Jim and Rob are doing that same scene. It was really lovely to watch. Wow. And we get to live in that universe. You know, we get to live in the universe where, at the end of the day, I believe that all of us are really fine actors. Yeah. You guys have such a connection too. All the, all, you know, I, I kind of have because I'm not a proper Second City alumni. I have a little bit of Second City alumni um, envy. Yeah, it's such a great community. I mean, I know there's like, a, you know, it's the same with the Growling. There's like, like, there's so few jobs in there, and there's so many people that it's like, like, a hundred lions and one gazelle. You know, it's like <laughs> it, people don't have their best behavior all the time. But eventually it all comes back. I've been to those Danny Breen lunches. Yeah, you know? Friday at uh, Taste Chicago. Yeah, they Tom do. Tully yeah, they, you know. And I'll do that. I'll do one of those. That's so good. I, I actually went to one and I want to go. It was so beautiful. And so, but it's, you know, it's beyond. And like people are like, ah, you know, you were good. or It's not even, it doesn't matter whether you were good, no. even a good improviser I, I just want to give you like, a little, so, so Tom Tully gets, gathers a bunch of people at Taste Chicago and it's all to celebrate Danny Breen who's there. And he's Danny been struggling Breen's, with cancer. He's been struggling, tremendous yeah. struggle with cancer and Danny comes when he comes and when he comes they have the Taste Chicago which is all Chicago food at uh, Joe Montaigne's restaurant and when he can't make it they don't have it because it's all about Danny. Yeah, and he it's all emails. About... You gotta check your email to see exactly. if Danny's healthy enough to be there. Exactly. And, and it's that community where we all fucking take care of each other. Yeah. And then we're all mixed up like Cynthia Saghetti was there Right. Like, Who's going through her own and thing? And Danny uh, Castellaneta and Deb were there, and right. like I saw Kenny Campbell. I was just like, it was so much fun. So you know? much fun. But you guys have it. It goes back further. It's like you went to grade school together, and we all went to high school together. Like right. I've been around for a long time with you guys. Well, but it's I was... just like you were in that point where you worked there. And, but here's another thing that I think about when I when I think about going, you know, the work that we did on the pier. So every Thursday night or Wednesday night, which night was it? I think it was Thursday. So every Thursday. There, uh, on the pier at Santa Monica, there was a, a club called the, uh, the Ashgrove. 
Yes, God, you're so good. Yeah, the Ash Grove. It's a and, restaurant. Now I walked by there the other yeah, day. Yeah, and so, but it was a venue, and it was a folk venue, and the guy that ran it um, was put together by Lee Costello, and uh, the, folk, the guy that ran it um, it was a benefit for Mob Rule, which is uh, 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 Lee Costello. I'm getting boring here, but uh, Mob Rule put it together, and the money that we got from there went into teaching, uh, having senior citizens be able to take free improv classes. Yeah, which is really great. Which I taught, and it was really fun. Really fun. So uh, I still have students from there, uh, and uh, it was it was just this gathering of Second City alumni. And I think about you when I think about you there. I was like, oh, you you totally belong there. You know what I mean? It oh, wasn't yeah. like you didn't belong. You totally fucking belong there. And you fit in with everything else that was going on. Not that you wouldn't, but it's like everybody up there, there was a reason that everybody was up there. Yeah. It was so fun. It was just great. It was the, it's one of the great, you know, that's why I think, you know, I didn't realize at the time that that was one of the greatest times in my life. And so now when I go through stuff, I'm like, wait a minute. I just might have the time of my life. I don't know. It could happen. I love that. Like Let's... really enjoy this because it's like, especially probably after watching my dad, my dad was like, I was feeding him soup and he was like, God, I've seen this happen to people, but I never thought of myself being the person in a diaper being fed soup. It just never occurred to me uh -huh. that I would be that person. Uh huh. It's right. like, Wow. And the honesty that comes in that. And you know what I said to him? Well, it's never going to happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> if, this was, if this was a TV show, there'd be a frozen us laughing and the yeah. credits would roll. Um, that's awesome. Well, let's stop there because okay. you can't get better than somebody in a diaper saying it's never going to happen to me. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. I'd like more of the jungle than it is right now. Wow. That's the fearless Julie Larson in a nutshell. Thank you, Julie Larson. <laughs> it's like Tarzan and Jane. ADD Comedy with Dave Rosowski. Also thanks Laura Parker, my co-producer. My dear friend musician extraordinaire Al Rose for our theme song, I Feel Like a Million Dollars from Al's album, Sad Go Lucky. Al's got a new album coming out. Just telling you. Did you know that you also helped uh, make us the award-winning ADD Comedy with Dave Rosowski? Yep, we won the coveted any award for Best Comedy Podcast. Hey, give us a positive note on iTunes and let the rest of the world know, won't you? If you're interested in having me at your theater, your improv school, your corporate event, your bullfight, please drop me a line at dave at addcomedy.com. Thanks, and we'll hear you in our ears. Hey.